Hello, I'm Paula Fanous and welcome to Formidables, a podcast series speaking from the heart of Western Sydney. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to amazing artists, young and old, who share with us about their creative careers. We are broadcasting from Darug country, so we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. In this episode, I am joined by Lucky Latte, who is a Sydney-based dancer and choreographer originally from Ghana, West Africa, as well as Azam Mohammed, who is a magnificent dancer, teacher, and choreographer from Sudan. Welcome, boys. How are you today? Good, bro. Very, very good. Very, very good, good, man. Very good. Could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Mm-hmm. So, uh, my name is Lucky Latte. I'm uh, originally from Ghana. I've been in Sydney uh, for over 10 years now, and um, I've been uh, working in Sydney, and also I've, uh, I've worked all over uh, the place as well. And we, you're going to be hearing more from me as, as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah? Okay, great to hear from you, Lucky. And Azam? Uh, my name is Azam, and, uh, and I'm also known by Shazam. Um, I was born and raised in Sudan, and I'm, a, I'm an artist. Cool, cool. So right off the bat, um, it's really awesome that we're focusing on African dance today because it's really clear to me anyway that Africa is a really complex and beautiful continent with lots of different mm-hmm. cultures, right? Yes, sir. So lucky mm-hmm. you're from West Africa and Azam, you're from Sudan, yeah. and I'm from Egypt, right? And we do complete... Super. Yeah, so we're all African. <laughs> True. And we all do different art forms and have different cultures. So that's really, really beautiful. Uh, would you like to tell me when you started dancing, how you got into it? Uh, so for me, uh, I grew up in a place called Jamestown, and um, it's, it's really known for sports and art. Um, dance was very visible because, I mean, growing up, you know, all, all my other brothers, all my uncles, all my friends, they dance, so it was very easy to pick it up. Um, but I kind of started dancing very, very seriously uh, from the age of 13, I did, I studied uh, West African Ghanaian traditional dance. And then after 10 years, I did a improvisation abstract training, uh, through, uh, impro- impro- improvisation training uh, through abstract drawing for three years. And then um, since I moved to Australia, I've, I've, I've been uh, choreographing for the past 10 years now. Wow. So it sounds like you've got a really um, uh, conceptual kind of education in dance. That's really cool. Yeah. And was, was yeah. that in several countries as well? Uh, well, I went through a different... Uh, so I, I did I did uh, the first 13 years of my training in Ghana. Um, my training was... My, my traditional training was basically was uh, in West African traditional dance. So not just from Ghana, but all over West Africa. And then I, I, I met my teacher in the, later in the year who introduced me to... Uh, what we call contemporary dance. So it's, it's training was finding your own voice within your tradition because what we do in Ghana, we, when you train as a traditional African dancer, it's like, it's about learning the dances, learning uh, the names of the dance. Uh, it's very cardio, understanding the rhythm structure. So it's not very conceptual, but it's like a, a knowledge passed down for 5,000 years. Yeah. And then you learn all of these things. But uh, so with him, it was just improvisation, really finding your own voice within your tradition, mm. all in Ghana. But 
uh, since being in Australia, I've, I've done uh, my practice in, in Africa, again, in Burkina Faso, in India, in Singapore, in Germany, wow. uh, in London, in Portugal, oh, just <laughs> wow. really um, doing, you know, going for uh, a mentorship, uh, trying to understand what really I want to do with my dance now, what story I want to tell now. What a beautiful journey. I'm really excited to hear more about that. Thanks, man. Um, and Hazem, how did you start dancing, bro? Man, um, for me, it was a little bit different. Like, so the environment in Sudan is like, um, I think it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common thing in Africa where any event, regardless what it is, there's always music and dance involved. So, um, so I'll be going like to weddings, graduations, or even like just in... Um, in your hood where like just people will have like music and just dance you know what i mean and that was like personally my first like interaction with dancing but um i, I didn't go to any art school or anything so it was just like mainly just from the street picking up with other people even we don't even have names to certain steps or dances and stuff and we have our own sounds and music and instrument that we use as well and yeah until i went to malaysia and then that's when I kind of started taking seriously in terms of like training and going to classes. And, and I got involved first with uh, uh, street dance styles. Like I started with popping first and then I started with, and then I moved to house and then hip hop. And all that started like around 2011, 2010. So, um, so up to now, like that's like about nine years or 10 years. So I'm still a baby, man. Yeah, and then um, and then my involvement with like African dances becomes like, you know what? Th now that I know about like street dances, now I want to get involved into my background and my own culture. And then from there, I was like, okay, I want to learn about my own dances back home, and then what around it. And I got like really interesting in like dances from um, like South Africa or like uh, like Pensula or like um afro house and kuduro in angola and stuff and then i try to like ask people questions people that are from those countries and that's how i basically kind of like learn from them so like having different mentors from different countries who represent their all cultures and then that i kind of like just pick up those styles basically mm. yeah yeah i think um as artists who come from foreign countries we get to learn about our home culture from a very interesting lens. It's a very creative lens. Yeah. So for me, in, in re-exploring Egypt for myself, um, I'm exploring it through the poets of, of Egypt. And so um, I get to connect with my parents in a weird way because I'm reading the same writers that they read when they were at school. Yes. And so what do you think taking, you know, the route of dance as a way of discovering your culture what has that shown you about your culture um, that you think you may not have seen otherwise? For me, man, first, what's so interesting is that like being in something, like even when you live, for example, like let's say you were born and raised, let's say in Sydney, okay? You don't actually go and travel in Sydney that much because somehow, you, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, you kind of like take it for granted that's like oh okay i'm here i can go to that place anytime 
I can visit that place anytime. You know what I mean? So being in Sudan is just like, oh, I can, um, I can go to this party. That's it. This is the music. That's it. But you never actually go deeper. You never go like, oh, let me actually go and visit that place. Like I heard about it from this history or from that or from this. But the moment you actually, um, you start discovering other people's because, because you're kind of interesting in what's outside sometimes, you know what I mean? Because, um, and you look at other people's culture and then you go like, oh man, that's interesting. I want to learn that. But then the moment you go out and then you live in that place, the people in that place will ask you like, hey, what do you have in your place? What do you have in your home? What's so interesting in your home? And then that's when you start asking yourself that question. It was like, oh, what do I have home? Like, because you live there. It's very close to you. You never really see it until you actually distance yourself mm. from it. So you can actually see it. And then that's when you start like dig deeper. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, like this is to me was like, oh, like I started like digging more about like African styles more after I kind of distant myself out of Africa. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sometimes uh, we can only see things clearly when we have that little bit of distance to be objective about it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Lucky, what about you? What has um, what has your kind of um, journey through dance taught you about West Africa that you think you may not have learned otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I always say, now I say that dance is my biggest teacher mm-hmm. because... What I have learned through my 10 years of being in Australia as a choreographer, really going back, really exploring from that African foundation, the thing that I've taught me, I, I, I didn't even learn that all my lifetime in Ghana, you know, or even in school, you know, what it taught me, the history, I mean, uh, what I have learned through dance, through my own research is, is more than what I, I was even taught in school. And um, going a little bit deeper is, um, for example, the last work I did uh, with Form, which was Full Circle, which looking at uh, storytelling, basically looking at African storytelling and the connection to black uh, hip hop, uh, African, black African uh, hip hop and rap culture. And um, true learning that I have to go back to learn some prayers that uh, I mean, I always, I always hear them, but I never take them serious. And um, I have to recite that in my work. So I need to go sit back and relearn these prayers. And a lot of the words, even that are in these prayers, I have never heard of them before. Well, is it right? A I have to go, yeah, prayer, Beautiful. a prayer, like a prayer that that um, is 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 used to open like um, open ceremonies. So the people that have been doing these prayers, they, they, it's a prayer that have been passed on for five thousand years. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes, and um, and um, I mean, before we have Christianity, this was the prayers that they would do to open everything. And um, I mean, when when we're growing up, we were told these are like evil stuff, right? But once I need to do this work, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm telling the story from these people. So I need to go and learn about the, the about the prayers. And when I start understanding and analyzing the words, I write, okay, you know, it's it, it's a word that call on heaven and head, it, hoping the way. So there are very interesting words that are in, but the more I try to understand what these words mean, it, it, it's not evil. So I'm just saying... Yeah, dance has been a really great, uh, my, my biggest teacher, you know, understanding who I am, where I'm from, where my ancestors from, how far they've 
you know how how we got to where we are how we have the name of our community all of that are embedded in these prayers and these songs that um i grew up with that i never took them serious to hear that it makes you more open-minded when you have to go back and explore your culture and because you're telling someone else's story you kind of have to put your prejudices aside right um mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. really cool and you mentioned hip-hop right so let's talk about hip-hop because i really love mm -hmm. hip-hop um who mm -hmm. are your three favorite rappers and why <laughs> cool this was like uh, i wasn't expecting this question but yeah cool i mean to be to be to be honest uh i didn't really understand hip-hop until i made that last work mm. uh, last year and i started to listen to i mean i i went back 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 so i guess i i i went back from um I, i'll answer your question but just back to so understand you? like uh um i i listened to a lot of talks by a, a krsl one is it yeah. krs one uh, you know, he had a whole thing on the philosophy of hip-hop, uh, so it was really great. And he always connected back to the ancestors, and he always talked about also the, the African Bambada, the people that have come before them. So it was really great to understand him as, like, the middle person who was talking about the people that have come before him and then the people now. And uh, and I love uh, I love Tupac also a lot because, um, I mean, he, he, sing, he sing for the people. He, um, he talk about... The, you know, the everyday reality, which really hip-hop was what um, th that that's about. And then I think, I wasn't sure who else I was listening to, but I mean, during my research, Tupac was like one of the uh, main kind of um, person that I was. And then I watch a lot of documentaries around a lot of people so that, I, um, you know, like the movement of the hip-hop in the 80s and what it stands for and all the controversy around it and uh so there was a few people like the uh public enemy there was a the, uh, the other guys that did the f the police and <laughs> nwa <laughs> yeah nwa yeah and all that kind of stuff and it was quite it was really interesting to to um to look at how they they use that storytelling as a surviving tool you know to get a message across um uh, the things that you know they are daily reality you know the things that you're really facing mm. very powerful mode of storytelling right because i think uh mm. when you turn the tv on for a long time there was always a certain narrative being told but with mm -hmm. hip-hop right it's like no we can pick up our own microphones and we can tell our stories for ourselves and we can we don't have to shy away from how painful they've been or how difficult they've been or how messy they've been and I think that before people dismiss hip-hop as, you know, violent or whatever, they need to put it into the context. You know, when mm -hmm. you give people a voice when they haven't had a voice for a very long time, they're going to shout for a bit and maybe they've earned that. So, Azam, who are, you, who are your favorite uh, hip-hop artists and why? 
Man, this is a tough question, man. Uh, yeah, honestly, is, yeah. like, uh, I always go with 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 Common. Uh, he's like one of my favorite artists because he's just like, um, in terms of lyrics, he's just amazing. In terms of like delivery, he's just like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, um, and also in terms of like the topic that he talked to as well, like he talked about in terms of like. Um, if it comes to like black movement or it comes to like even as like you say like talking about you know like the community and like any global uh issues you know what i mean like and and he's like uh he's smart as well and and he's a break dancer so so he's one of those people that i kind of like admire in terms of like having those elements about hip-hop like what truly is and i feel like this is like um it's it's important to kind of like represent um, and it's also for me personally being, I would say, observing hip hop from outside, like, um, like any culture has the good and the bad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like it's on us to pick what do you want to choose, you know, and what resonate with you. So, um, and that kind of be related to yourself, you know? So, um, so I always, uh, for me, like common is always like uh, is the top of the list in terms of lyrics and also like um, in terms of speaking to the people. Tupac, for example, like he was like a huge, he was like activist. He wasn't just like oh, I'm just a rapper and that's it, you know. And it's just sad that like how, let's say, the media like just, uh, you know, like just give him that bad image about like who he is. And um, other artists in terms of like just flow and 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 Biggie is like one of the smoothest you know like um, uh, rappers of all time, and mm. I would add one one person Rhapsody. She's one of my favorite female MCs um, right now that um, she's that, that I really admire also in terms of like just lyrics and delivery and in terms of like um, the content, you know. And this is something I personally look for when it comes to music is that i really want to connect with that artist it's like what do you say um and i want to see things sometimes just beyond oh okay just the beat is hard and the beat is good and that's it like i want to see beyond that like where like oh you're talking to me i want to see i want to see that so i i get attracted to people with uh storytelling um like delivery so that's why i like uh these are like kind of my top three i would say Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Appreciate and both both of you, from what I've heard, merge hip hop and dance, right? And I'd like to ask you, why is that a beautiful or a meaningful combination? Why is that worth doing? Um, I just went to Africa on on a on a, uh, a mentorship program, and I think I got inspired to do a work around hip hop and rap culture. So this is one thing that I've done. I mean most of my work i'll say most of my work i've I've been around social issues so hip-hop was one of the things that also came in in my last work but you know my first work about uh, oppression and resistance and my second work was about exotification of the black male body and my last work was about hip-hop and rap culture Mm. and my my last work is is going on a different journey which is a dance and architecture so it just hip hop is one of the things that I also I also find very connected to because I, uh, because um I was shocked uh, 
I think I, I, I wanted to understand why storytelling is a very big part of African culture. But then, you know, you look at slavery also that happened over 500 years and the same way of storytelling, which is uh, as uh, uh, which was used as knowledge keeping and, uh, and passing of knowledge in Africa. This same idea also started in, uh, you know, through the African-American community, but also for a different purpose. So this was what really attracted me to that maybe there might be something there, you know, there might be something in the DNA of how we do things, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think that's how, that's why I got, I got so interested in hip hop in, in, in the last two years. Mm. So hip hop as a very powerful way of storytelling that comes from tradition. Mm. Yeah, because, because um, in, in my culture, uh, we have the people that we have, uh, the people that are called the grill, uh, which are often, uh, they celebrated uh, across West Africa and, and before slavery, they were a very important part of African culture. Every every king, you know, every king, every pharaoh, every king have a, a grill, and they are they are they are responsible for every event that happened because you know we had rich in history. Then it, that, don't get me wrong, we had rich in history, but uh, uh, songs and poetry was very was very important, and it was one of the way that knowledge was passed on. So the grill could be. Uh, sixth generation, fourth generation, tenth generation, twelfth generation, and it's passed on through father to son, father to daughter, father to son, and that one family are responsible for, let's say, all the history and knowledge in Sydney. So when they build the when they build the arbor, when they build opera house, when they build, you know, when uh, Sydney for the war, all of that are embedded through songs and poetry, and yeah, so um. This is, you know, it's very important, and and also in Ghana, you know, we every king have what we call Ochami, and they also practice this thing. It's practiced in Af Africa in different different ways, you know. So mm. this is what really um, attracted me to hip hop, also as a way of, you know, that storytelling is a very important part of African culture. I really value that because in Western culture, you know, it's the doctors, the engineers, the lawyers that we put on top. And it's mm. the storytellers and the teachers that we put down below. But I've always mm -hmm. felt in my heart, and it seems that West African culture has always understood that, that storytellers are extremely important because they, they tell the history. And if we don't know where we came from, we don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, so quick question, Lucky. Is that a Guinness World Record behind you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna have to share that story with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I just saw. I, I never know. I've, I never take a like jumping as a teen until I came to Australia. You know, but uh, I, I really enjoy. Like I have a lot of elevation in my dance, and um, and I guess, uh, I saw a video on YouTube maybe four years ago. And they said, oh, Guinness World Record, most consecutive split jump. And the guy did 19. And I'm like, well, I usually don't do 19. But, you know, during a little solo in my in my performance, I'll do 10. But I'll do 10 after I'm really exhausted doing a, a lot of solos. So I'm like, okay, I can try this. So I just applied for it. And then um, I was training so much. And when I was going to do it, I, I injured myself. So I just ignored it. And, uh, and then I got invited 
to do a gig with the Wiggles. And then I said, oh, actually I have this application sitting in my email and um, I would like to try it. And, and, and they were so up, up to it. So yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, during the gig, it had, uh, uh, and, and then they had a few gymnastics also there. So I said, okay, if they can be judged, if they can witness it, because that's the criteria, mm. I'll do it. And, and so, yeah, they, they prepared a space for me and in the middle of the event, they invited me. And then I did, I did 34, actually. I saw the video, by the way. That was amazing, y'all. <laughs> thank yeah, you, thank you. I saw you. the video. So that was crazy. Was it split jumps? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's split jump. So you jump uh, 90 degrees in the hair and then you you touch your toe. So you kind of do a split in the hair and, and a consecutive. So you have to continue doing that. Boom. That's a lot of mobility, bro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Okay, so um, question to Azam, but also Lucky afterwards. Um, it's always a challenge turning your talents and your skills and your passions into you know livelihood and a way to to put food on the table so how have you been able to monetize your skills and talents oh man what challenges have you faced um well something probably like no one knows about me was that like um first again like i've never like studied so my background like i studied engineering you know what i mean and that was like that was the thing that I was like just distant to me. It's like, hey, after you finish, you go into like engineering job and all of that. But um, while my time in Malaysia, I was just taking classes, taking classes after classes. And um, I graduated and then I moved to Sydney. And and I was just thinking about like, oh, okay. Um, I would go and apply for jobs. Like, okay, let me find my engineering thing. Like where like, okay, let, just let me use my certificate kind of thing. But then I landed a job, but then I, it wasn't just, I wasn't, I don't feel like really fulfilling something. You know what I mean? Like I'm not adding to it. I'm not adding anything to that at all. Like I'm not, I don't feel like, although like I liked it at the beginning when I started that journey, but as I'm like doing dancing on the side, I'm like, oh, you know what? I feel like um, maybe there's like something more to that. Let me actually just try it out. And um, for me, it was like um, just putting myself out there and things just started to happen in terms of like teaching classes and get involved in like uh, different shows or even just small gigs here and there. And then slowly things started to build up to like, hey, people are willing to fly me out to like, hey, we wanted to teach this, we wanted to teach that. And then I looked at it. I'm like, hey, you know what? This path to me has become like very consistent and at the same time it's very natural so i'm not forcing it to happen you know while the other path the engineering path was like oh like no 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 like i have to like you, you know what i mean like i have to force it to happen mm. um and then after that that's when i'm like you know what i just want to do this regardless i want to just let me just find my way from there and then that's when kind of like just literally just sit down and see what are the things that I'm capable of. So I'm, I'm, I like teaching a lot. Like, is this my favorite thing to add to the dancing that it just connect um, with other people and, and be just like, um, have the, um, have the ability to kind of like even help somebody out in terms of like, 
use with using the dance so it could be like it's not about just me making you a better dancer or like share my experience it's more of like um dance becomes like a tool that we can use to actually help a lot of things like in terms of like just mentally in terms of like uh self-esteem in terms of like so there's a lot of ways and then for me that's when i found like value in that started dancing and and even discovering street dance it was all about like oh dance battle dance battle dance battle i have to win this competition and in my head it was like this is the only way for me maybe to get jobs later but then i stumbled upon um uh, a documentary uh it's called um bouncing cat and it was uh made by a guy named ibrahim and he's from uganda and it's about the breakdance project in Uganda. And what he did, he's literally just like, he united. Um, so there's like a civil war in Uganda at that time. Okay. So uh, between like the North and South. And then for him, he just uh, took upon himself to like, you know what? I have to protect all those kids because all those kids, they were like abducted by the army. You know what I mean? Like to put them in the army to be soldiers at an early age and him for him it was like no like there's more for this kid to live there's more for this kid to do and then he decided like you know what i'm gonna start building the brick dance project and he's basically utilizing hip-hop and the dance by so he's protecting those kids he's teaching them the the, the dance and he's i think i'm not sure if he's from the south and he's traveled to the north or vice versa but he would travel to the other side, although it was like very dangerous for him. But he was like, hey, I'm coming for you guys with a proposal. I will teach you guys breakdancing and you guys teach me your culture. And that exchange connect these two cities together, the South and the North, all those sides together. And then they become like very peaceful. You know what I mean? Like, And that to me was like, when I saw that, I literally, I messaged him and I was like, hey, you know what? Like just really just thank you because i feel like i found like a value for the dance rather than just like oh let me just go compete and just battle and that's it like although there's nothing wrong with that it's okay to pursue that because at the end of the day pursuing something is just like you believing yourself i'm like i can do that and then you just do it regardless of what it is um for me it was like just finding that value of of um of the dance was like really important to me and then how can I um, change that into like, hey, I want to make a living out of that. You know what I mean? Like you're still doing something good for yourself and doing something good for like other people. And at the same time, you can just like live. Um, and I had the privilege to go to Malaysia back to teach. I went back to Singapore to teach as well. So um, and, and I taught in like Adelaide, in uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, uh, Perth. So Canberra as well. So like Wollongong. So I had like, um, um, this is where I feel personally I excel at, that I like teaching and coaching. And this is what I really like the most, like actually just connect with other people. Um, and this is where I find like value in. I'm actually the exact same. After about four or five years of making art, I got a couple of poetry workshops in high school and I realized 
I love this so much more than making art yeah. because at the end of the day, we make art to share ideas. To, well, for me anyway, yeah. to share ideas, to inspire people. And as a teacher, you get to do that every day, all day. Exactly. Uh, and that's a beautiful um, kind of, it's great to have one skill and to kind of turn it into two, three, four, because that's a beautiful evolution yep. as a human mm, being. Mm. And mm. Um, lucky, my guy, how have you been able to monetize uh, your creativity, especially in Australia? Um. I would say lucky. I was lucky as well. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> performance has always been part of, you know, like in African training, like as I'm saying before, you know, you're always watching weddings or performance or, you, or, you know, all the celebration. Is. So our training, what a lot of people don't understand in the West is that we don't train in closed doors, right? We, create, we train in compound houses. We train in the towns. And so... Performance is, is part of our training, right? Uh, coming to Australia, it will, um, it's, not, it's not been so hard. Uh, but the, the next bit I want to talk about is more being able to sustain it and keep going. It's like really trying to understand uh, what people are doing, really trying to understand what I'm selling, uh, what, what are my strengths, you know. What do I want to do with my dance? Is teaching the most important thing? Is performance the most important thing? Mm -hmm. Is uh, choreographing the most important thing, and uh, it took me a long time, five to six years to understand that because you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be a choreographer. I wanted to, uh, because I know, I've been dancing all my life, and uh, it was it was a safe space for me. It was very easy for me to do it, but I want to learn new things about myself. I want to use the dance to learn new things about myself. But what I found at the end was that any way of doing my practice is. Any way of dancing is same. It's any way of doing my practice is 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 to being able to practice. Because if I can, if I don't have the opportunity to do the performance to help me sustain me to continue my choreography work, then I will end up in the factory. Then, which means I lose all at 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 once. So, mm. um, uh, being able to to manage both to be able to set up a a African Trishing Dance Company which do performances, festivals, school gigs, teaching and then being able to also have Lucky Latte also which is like doing contemporary conceptual projects as well uh, has been able to help me a lot and this is still something we're trying to teach uh, people in the contemporary dance world because they don't understand why someone, someone could be both you know because for us we think oh you know Oh, you know, this is just commercial, you know what I mean? Uh, how can someone do the two? Mm. So um, this has been the most challenge for me. I would say being able to sustain my career, it's not, it's not easy, but more being able to convince people that this is my training, this is my practice. Performance has always been part of my training. And so me doing a performance at, at African event doesn't, uh, lower me. I, I'm talking on a different on on a different uh, issue. I mean, I don't know if I'm going too far, uh, but um, but being I guess being able to do, to be able to navigate the two, mm. like you know whether teaching, performance or in the studio creating conceptual work is has been something that I've, I've, I've I'm kind of juggling to be able to tell producers that oh yeah but you saw me on on the African uh, 
stage, but you know, I I've also done works performing. Yeah. I also have this this as well. Um, it's it's my biggest cha- uh, challenge. Yeah. And things. Yeah, it's um it's hard to wear a lot of hats, and sometimes as cultural performers, our our cultural art gets us through the door, and then once mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. listening, we can you know get more conceptual, and also something I'd like to say is I love how you constantly reinvent yourself as an artist and how you don't let yourself be put in a box. I like that you juggle all those many hats and it's important for uh, young people to see people who look like them juggling many hats and being more than one thing. And on that Mm -hmm. note, one final question. If I could get just a piece of simple advice from both of you that you would give to a young artist from Western Sydney who Mm -hmm. wants to, you know, pursue their art full time and doesn't know where to start. Just a piece of simple advice uh, from both of you, please. Um, I I say believe in your dream, be consistent, Um, know know what you want. Also, it's it's important to say to to look at other people also that that look like you, that are doing great stuff. And um, yeah, the 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 is is to be to be consistent, you know, to be consistent. Cause I also study engineering in school, you know. I I haven't told you I also studied mechanical engineering in school, but you know, I, I didn't want to do that, so I um I hold on to my dreams and I, and I kept pushing and yeah. Amazing. Uh, what about you, Azam? Man, I would say do you. Everything is right. That's it. <laughs> as simple as that. Literally, just do you. Everything Absolutely. is right. You know what I mean? Mm. And I would say an extra thing I would say learn how to fail. I would say that's I, I would say that that's it. Mm. So just do you. Everything is right, and just learn how to fail. That's I think the major thing that everyone needs to learn uh, from my perspective. Absolutely, you need to write a few crappy uh, poems before you write a good one. Exactly. And you need to get rejected. Yeah. You need to lose a few competitions before you place and then eventually win 100 and lots of people stop at the first sign of failure but you got to learn my, my piece of advice is enjoy the process of making your art that way when the reward mm-hmm. comes you'll be happy and if it doesn't you'll be satisfied with the art itself yep um I'd, yeah i'd like to thank both of you so much for this incredible conversation i'm sure there are lots of young people who are very inspired right now i know that i am <laughs> And thank you for your time. Man, thank you guys so much for organizing this, man. Thank, thank you, you guys man. so much for it's your time. It's been a yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Formidables, a podcast series commissioned and produced by Form Dance Projects. We thank Riverside Theatres, Diversity Arts, and Information Cultural Exchange for their partnership. And we thank the Crown Resort, the Packer Foundation, and Create New South Wales for making this possible. I hope you all feel inspired and excited, stay creative and stay tuned.